Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Uphold Audio Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast with your host Martin Lumsden, yeah. Yeah. Billy Hills and me, Miles Mitchell. Yeah, nice. Over to you, Martin. Like uh, a, a proper introduction. Can we get an MC for future versions of this? That'd, that'd be quite good. Welcome to the stage. That's how uh, comedians do it, don't they? They, start, they go <laughs> yeah. backstage and just introduce themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they walk out and we go, oh! Hey, <laughs> welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Uh, we are here, as always, to discuss two albums from the Rolling Stone Best 500 Albums of All Time and uh, decide whether they are worth our time or whether we wished we had done something else instead. <laughs> uh, this week, our two albums were from 1979 and from 1990. We had Donna Summer's Bad Girls, uh, number 283 on the list, and the Cocteau Twins' Heaven or Las Vegas at number 245. So not much between them in terms of their number. But that was the, the two that we had. So, in time-honoured fashion, <laughs> without discussion no. about what do you mean by high or low, or what um, number are we doing, <laughs> we'll start with the one nearest the bottom of the list, <laughs> which is the highest number. It's going to happen God, this week. is complicated. Uh, which was uh, Donna Summer's Bad Girls from 25th of April, 1979. 283 on the list, Rolling Stone said, the Boston-born Donna Summer was the queen of disco by the end of the 70s, but she wanted more. With her double vinyl epic Bad Girls, she set out to conquer every corner of pop music in the name of disco, along with longtime producers Giorgio Moroder and Pete Bellot. Hot Stuff was their rock anthem, while Bad Girls found the sweet spot where the toot-toot meets the beep-beep. This was her sixth studio album. It peaked at... No, wait a minute. Am I doing... The, no, hold on. What am I doing? Oh, yeah. Eighth studio. There we go. It's right underneath what I was just reading. <laughs> this was her eighth studio album. It uh, got to number one on the US Billboard 200, where it stayed for six weeks. Harold Faltermeyer is one of the songwriters on Hot Stuff. Do you know Harold Faltermeyer? Do you know what he's famous for? No. Most famous for here, probably. Apart from writing for Donna Summer, obviously. Uh, he wrote Axel F., from Beverly Hills Cop, which you might know, <laughs> you guys being young, you might know as the Crazy Frog. Yeah, that was Harold Fultemeyer wrote that. Wow. He also composed the Top Gun anthem for the feature film Top Gun and the music for the Chevy Chase Fletch films. It has sold over 4 million copies worldwide, good grief. Uh, April 1979, the number one movie was Manhattan by Woody Allen. The number one album, the very best of Leo Sayer by Leo Sayer. <laughs> and the number one single was Bright Eyes by Art Garfunkel, gone solo from uh, Simon R. Garfunkel. You know, Bright Eyes was from the movie Watership Down. Does that, uh, mean, anything? Does that mean anything Down. to you? No, yeah. I've never heard of a cartoon. It's a cartoon about dead rabbits. Uh, strangely enough, talking of dead rabbits, uh, on April the 20th, President Jimmy Carton is attacked by a rabbit <laughs> whilst, he's, whilst he swam up to his... Fi- a swamp rabbit, apparently, which swam up to his fishing swamp boat. What's rabbit. a swamp rabbit? Anyway, this is apparently famous news. Jimmy Carter was attacked by a swamp rabbit. <laughs> President Carter attacked by a rabbit. That sounds like something from a Monty Python film. Uh, April the 13th, the longest ever doubles te- table tennis match. <laughs> It's how long? 1979 was good. 101 hours. What? That's insane. That is quite, that is quite a lot. Is that like four days? Uh, <laughs> and on uh, April the 22nd, the Rolling Stones played two benefit concerts for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind in Oshawa, Ontario, as part of guitarist Keith Richards' sentence for heroin conviction on heroin charges. Sentence for heroin conviction. Sometimes this is written badly, and I didn't write it. Sen- <laughs> Guitarist Keith Richards' sentence on heroin charges would make more sense. That's, uh, yeah, some 1979 context for you people who weren't alive at the time. What do we have to say about Donna Summer's Bad Girls? Uh, I'm going to use a common phrase, uh, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, into that I really wasn't looking forward to it in the slightest. I didn't realise how many songs I'd actually know on the album. I'd completely blanked uh, Hot Stuff obviously everyone knows that song 
And yeah, it's just one of them albums that you can't dislike at all. It's just another like feel good album, isn't it? Great bass lines we were discussing earlier. It's quite um what was you saying? It's like quite daft punky, something like the guitar stuff, wasn't it? Mm. And just really catchy melodies, just really good, feel good songs and uh, yeah. Good stuff really. Me, what do you reckon? It was hot stuff. Hot stuff. Uh, afternoon to you both. Um, <laughs> the I, I'm a big claim here. This was my favourite week ever. Wow. Okay. It's, I know we do one, one and then the other, but I enjoyed these the most. I mean, there's maybe albums that I've enjoyed slightly more on their own. But both good, weren't they? For two good yeah. albums. I thought this was my favourite week. So thank you to your Google uh, picker. Because <laughs> it did well. I, re- I really thought they were two I think albums, albums in the 200s always... Quite yeah, if you did yeah. say that. I was yeah. in the 200s, yeah. always good. Yeah, you I said thought they were that, great. I, I mean, you both know I'm a massive fan of disco, um, and this is unapologetically disco. Like, yeah. it, it does not vary from that, even the ballad. So I was like, yeah. oh, it was a ballad. And then about a minute and a half through, I can't remember the track title, then straight into more of the disco vibe. Loved it, though. Thought it was great. Um, I knew Donna Summer, like, obviously, you know the, the hits, but then the song that I've, I suppose recently that I've been playing more and, and, and being exposed to more is the I Feel Love tune, which yeah. almost I thought that was actually Donna Summer's sound, like a bit more dancey, a bit more trancey, mm. even. There's like arpeggiated bass, I feel lovely, you know. And so when, I, when, when we read out last week we were doing this, I kind of thought, if I'm honest, I didn't know that she had just like straight up disco songs like mm. this because this whole album was was great and yeah absolutely loved it um disco era is an interesting one i'm really fascinated by it um billy said a point earlier off air uh, <laughs> that um you can actually pinpoint they say you can pinpoint the end of disco because when they burnt all the records mm. um, why did they do that i don't know and i don't know where who did it or yeah. where but i've heard that story yeah. before but i think more than any other era it's so definite this one it's like started in like Philadelphia in the 70s I think but it started and then literally finished like 1979 yeah, yeah. Like in the turn to the 80s and it was such a crazy genre you know I had to play like Studio 54 you had incredible artists you know to bring him up again but MJ his first album was disco mm. album with Quincy Jones and I think this Donna Summer album just absolutely embodies that era it's like couldn't if you want to listen to the disco era listen to this album um, so I loved it do you feel like a man out of time, Miles? Do you feel like a <laughs> maybe, bit more yeah. maybe, maybe. I mean, no, I, I think it all started. I, I got into um, my mum was a massive fan of the Bee Gees and got and then Saturday Night Fever. But like I said to Billy, I think actually disco, though it kind of was this defining sort of beginning and end to the era. You know, it's a bit cliche to say, but it's, it's in everything. Like you've mentioned, mm. Daft Punk. Mm the sort of any sort of chorusy guitars or sort of you know it all comes from the, that sort of disco yeah. era and i think it's still such a prominent um oh you look at current uh, artists like Dua Lipa you know yeah. it, it's it, you'd say it's a is disco. anyone straight up disco though any new bands that are I, got... she's, I suppose she's the closest thing i know it's pop but she's the closest thing to sort of disco-y you know yeah. bass lines gonna, and, and, and and guitars and things you're always going to take a bit of that like in a modern context you're not just going to redo Seventies disco, what yeah. but yeah, you can definitely hear that influence. Like so that future nostalgia album by yeah. Dua Lipa, absolutely. Anything with Nile Rodgers on it, yeah. Uh, you know that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Daft Punk album from what was it, 20... no, thirteen, was it? Yeah, uh, was it Get it, Lucky. Uh, was it? Yeah, that one with Get Lucky on it. Yeah. Nile Rodgers, Pharrell Williams. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, all of that is disco throwback. Well, Giorgio Moroder is on yeah. that um, album, that Daft Punk album as well. Giorgio Moroder is still working with Duran Duran on their new album. Really? Giorgio Moroder is still working on that recent stuff. So there's so much yeah. of that influence that's the week, still the weekend, very, very current. Mm. Weekend loves a bit, loves a little disco, like disco tune. He did, well, he did that tune with, with Daft Punk as well. Um, that's a great song, yeah. I feel it coming. Yeah, like, and... Um, but then, really pop-sided disco, but then um, Justin Timberlake and Max Martin can't stop the feeling. You know, they I saw an interview with them, they they like, oh yeah, it's a disco record. It's on the side of pop, but yeah. the influence is all still there. Mm. Um, and yeah, she, I, like all the, t- like, it was really weird because this morning, 
I follow a producer called Jafunk. Um, big up to Jafunk. Uh, little <laughs> shout, shout out. out. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> and he basically, it was so strange because it was like um, how to make a disco track, one of those Instagram reels. Yeah. So he adds the drums. Then he adds like the funky chorus guitar. Then he adds the funky bass line. Then he adds like the horn stabs and roads. And then he pitches it all down a semitone and puts a load of tape saturation on it. And then literally, I was like, that's so weird. It just like it embodies what a disco track is. It's like how to have a 70s disco track. And Donna Summer's the same. You know, if you had a, 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 a checklist of how to make a disco song, she does it all with the horns, like I say, the rows, the drum beats and the grooves. Yeah, absolutely loved it. What about you, Mum? You're a fan of disco? This is, this is sort of peak disco time, isn't it? Like that thing you said about this de- death to disco, which did happen, you know, that and typically American thing. I think it was the sort of, you know, the people who are really into the sort of proper rock or whatever. And the radio DJs were like, we don't want this disco nonsense. Was it seen as cheesy then, do you think? Was. I don't know what it was. Threat, I don't know, threat to their masculinity or something. I don't, mm, know. Right. I don't know, some weird shit going on. But yeah, people burning records, which they love to do in America for some reason. <laughs> Let's burn some records, mm. uh, Around that time. But yeah, just thinking that, as, as we just discussed, for all the fact that that happened, it never went away. And it's been massively influential ever since. This album, <laughs> you look at it and you go, oh my God, a double, a double disco album. How much am I going to enjoy this? And then for it not to be what I thought it might be, whether I was remembering, I don't even, even like the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, to be honest, which is sort of peak disco. That, that is the sort of disco classic, isn't it? That, that, al- that film, mm-hmm. that's the period. But that's four years prior to this, I think, 1975, something like that, I think. Saturday Night Fever. I remember hearing that double album because I think like you mentioned Miles maybe my parents had it yeah. I think it was on, on the kind of thing and I remember just thinking it's pretty dull the nuts, uh, apart from the album. sort of the singles there was like dull stuff on it <laughs> so then thinking about a Donna Summer double double disco album was like this could just be interminable and it's really not because it's just filled of great songs 77 77 Saturday Night I never really got tired of it either what's, yeah. what's this one 79 no, no, okay. it's so, about 111 minutes isn't it yeah. Um, one hour, 11 minutes, yeah. sorry. But they're great. Yeah. But apart from, obviously, the production style is disco. <laughs> but I think if you take beyond that, they're good songs. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. That, and, and I think, with you said within the um, the review of this, this was Donna Summer also trying to break out a little bit of just the uh, pure disco thing. So they were trying to pull in different influences from various pe- places as well that, you know, they're just describing yeah. hot stuff as the, as the rock track. Mm. Which to now sounds a bit sort of weird, but yeah. I suppose you can kind of go, well, you probably didn't have like rock guitars on disco tracks to the extent that there is on that track. And you've just, everyone just time. heard that track so much. You're you right, know, I should yeah. have, I should, I kind of skipped that one because I obviously knew it. Yeah. But you're right, maybe I should have. Oh no, you missed the best part because <laughs> the thing that I was like loved about that, that, the start of that album, the sequencing of it is great. Because they blend together as well. There's no gap yeah. between the hot stuff and uh, bad girls. I just go straight in. It's like, seamless. This is cool. It is like a 12-inch dance DJ disco mix yeah. kind of. There yeah, is yeah, yeah. no break. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's gone from one track in the next one. You're like, yeah, nice Wicked. move, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do albums still do that, by the way? Like, I was... Not um, as much, yeah. They don't do it as much, do they? Like, in terms of the seamless... Fin- one finishes and the next no, one starts. I, I mean, I get it. Will, it will... St- still happen but um, I can't think of an example the, the latest the, what, the weekend's latest album because I only started listening to that recently I came up before Christmas I think but um, that did it on a few tracks and I was like oh that was it mm. almost like it changed key but it was like I, they almost threw in like a passing chord at the end of yeah. one song to yeah. change into the next yeah. one and I thought that was that was really clever but I wondered if you'd ever released those as singles then because it was quite if you listen in isolation it sounds quite weird yeah. but you're right I think this that must come from the disco era or the oh, DJ. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Like it was set. like a 12-inch, you know, that would be how you would get it, yeah. probably. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, definitely that period was about like, put, putting tracks together and makes life easy for a DJ, I suppose. They might have just thought, because those guys were like disco DJs at that yeah. point. You're going, well, you want, you want to kind of mix from one track into another. Or they're kind of going, don't worry, we've done it for you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you, can, yeah, yeah. you can go off and have a pee or a drink or whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, for the next 18 minutes, we've got you covered. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, there like that. Uh, yeah, you're getting all the credit. Um, but yeah, I, I expected to be bored and I wasn't. Maybe that's wrong to say I expected to be bored. It was really nice to not be bored. God, God, this is actually really good. I don't know that I would have ever said I, I loved Donna Summer or that period of music or anything like that. But it was like, 
just thinking about, you know, we've spoken before about what makes a good album. Yeah. Is it a bunch of good songs mm. or is it something that runs in context? You know, is it, is it, should they be similar? Should they be different? <coughs> it's like, do you know what? All the things that we've said that might mm. make a good album, mm. you could probably apply all of those criteria to this album. Mm. Definitely. Because uh, it's got lots of great songs on it. They're all of a similar style, but there's quite a lot of variety. Yes. Maybe that's helped by it being a double album. One of my favourite albums is Quincy Jones' The Dude album. Yeah. And I always thought that album was really original, like, in terms of its sound, because it's kind of the... Uh, there's sort of disco elements, but it's, it, it, I think it comes a bit later than this. It's a crossover into sort of the 80s, you know, like, big tunes like Aina Karida and all those sort of yeah. tunes. And I actually couldn't believe... I, I'm sure this was an influence for him. Like, this... There were so many similarities... And um, I, 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 there was a couple of songs in particular and I thought, because you're right, Martin, it is disco, but then there is like, there are some sort of, it, it is so disco, but then it's, there are sort of some interesting variations within each track. Yeah. And uh, I think this is a huge, huge album. Mm. I wasn't actually aware of it. Not obviously knew Donna Summer knew the yeah. hits, but I wasn't aware of this as, as a, as a you know, I, I knew work. the song, but I didn't know it was, you know, a, a famous album. Nominated for Album of the Year and for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance at the Grammys that year. Hot Stuff won for Best Female Best Female Rock Vocal Performance, by the way. Mm. Not, <laughs> not Best Female Disco Performance. Best Female Rock Vocal Performance uh, at the Emmys. Dim All the Nights was nominated for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. Bad Girls was nominated for Best Disco Recording. <laughs> I think we mentioned before the Grammys have got ridiculous numbers of stupid categories, but, <laughs> the, but there we go. Universally acclaimed is what it said in the kind of the thing about the reviews. The double album thing, as a double album, does it work as one cohesive album split into two or are they two separate albums? Could you kind of go, there was one bit of an album and then a second bit of an album, like a different style or, did, or was it all kind of one thing? I admit, I listened to it on shuffle accidentally. <laughs> so I, it just all, it all went seamless for me and I still yeah. think it worked. The, album, so the right. album that I listened like the yeah, it worked for I me. I think that answers the question. Yeah. Right, Our Love. Did anyone, did, I don't know if either of you thought this. You, how well do you know Blue Monday by New Order? Quite well. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's Blue Monday, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, Our Love on this album, that drum pattern, I thought, God, that's where they've got it from. Oh. That is exactly exactly that same drum pattern and the synths sound very, very similar. Did you look similar. into after? Maybe they have. No, it's well, exactly the same, isn't it? I listened to that and went, hold on a minute, this is Blue Monday. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so it was amazing and there was one bit that I just thought on the track Lucky <laughs> it's very synth pop I thought there's this brilliant sound on there that just sounds like a fart yeah. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously a synth of some kind <laughs> it was the weirdest thing <laughs> what's the one where it just starts with her vocals she does like three notes I think that was my favourite one I don't didn't know there will always be a you oh, yeah, yeah, some of its titles were sort of like the journey, journey to the center of your heart, and yeah. I was like, "That's a great title," yeah. and that's yeah. actually the hook. Yeah. Journey to, to the, the center, center of your heart. heart. I was like, "Wow!" That's it was impressive. lyrically there was some. There was a lyric that's kind of, "You can make love to my mind." Yeah. And yeah. I thought, "Is that can a I? good lyric? <laughs> <laughs> how would you, how would you do that?" <laughs> that feels weird. I don't, know, I don't know what to say about it. And at the same track, I thought, "Spoken word intros are they ever a good thing?" Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. I'm not sure about this. It sounds very corny. That was all through the night. So yeah. Uh, it's a really, really good reviews. Bad Girls is not all sparkly disco gems. Rather, it features varied moods flowing from emotion to emotion, making it all more, all the more like the dreaded journey all DJs claim they want to take their audiences on. But Bad Girls does it properly. I didn't know I was going to like a disco album, and there you go. And not only did I like it, I discovered that it influenced New Order. At least it sounds well, I was like not it expecting did. that. And also, yeah. my, you should, just before we came on, you spoke about how much you're loving vinyl at the moment. This will be a great vinyl to have. Mm. This would be a great vinyl. Yeah. That uh, for me doesn't when you think of vinyls, there's there's genres or artists that you think, oh, I'd love to have that on vinyl. That would work mm. on vinyl. This for me really would. Yeah. And I've actually I, when I was listening on YouTube, I actually could see the album cover, and I was like, I'm going to look for that in every charity shop. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think it was it was great. Really, really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Like we always say, how can you not smile, dance, and mm get up and to this to this album long live donna summer well that well yeah sadly passed but uh ah. there, we, there, there we go 
<laughs> R.I.P. Donna Summer. R.I.P. Donna Summer. <laughs> and also, she's dead. When did she, <laughs> when did she die? <laughs> also, sadly, we can't all stay around forever. But her music uh, will. Yeah. We're all, well, that's the point. I was going to say, well done, you said it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you said that's exactly. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> Time for scores. I'm giving it a really, really solid four. A solid four. Yeah, nearly a five, you know. That's how much I enjoyed it. Really did. Do I give it a four? I mean, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, so can I just quote what Billy said to yeah. me in the week? Yeah. And here he goes, oh, I'm dreading that uh, Donna Summer album. Yeah. I really am. And I thought, I thought, really? I think you like that. You'd like it. Mm. But we just, you said it in passing. Yeah. And he came in this morning and I loved it. Yeah. No, it was really, really good. I don't, four seems really, really strong. I like, I listened to it, but I don't know if I'd go on like a re-listen because disco's not really my thing. I think four is quite a strong one, isn't it? So I can give it like a 3.9. No, you can give it a four. I'll give it a that four. That rounds up to four. <laughs> <laughs> four. We're going to round it up to four anyway. Yeah, I think it's got to be a, it's got to be a four, isn't it? Thinking about how, what, why and how are we, are we trying to score these things. I don't know how many other disco albums there are on this list, which is kind of, you know, if it was the one disco album that's going to stay on the top 500, if there are no other representatives of disco, they go, sure yeah, there will then be. it must be. And right now, I'm trying to think, what, what, would, what would be another disco album that I would recommend? <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, somebody said, I'm not sure I know anything about disco. What should I listen to? I was like, Do you know what? This start here. Yeah. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, which would make it a five. You know, definitely recommend. But yeah. I feel like, is it great but not indispensable? I think four is good. Four is good. Four, four feels right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long way around, yeah. Martin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might you know it might be one of those ones that gets upgraded when we get to the point yeah. of reviewing these things and yeah. going, do you know what? Now we think about it, it definitely, if nothing else, it deserves a place on the list. You know, you're going to keep this on your top 100 or your top 500. Twelve decent. Like, think, we're going one, to get off, we're going to get Earth, Wind, and Fire. We'll get off the wall. We'll get um, BG's album. So it's Michael Jack. I know it's the same era, but it's off the wall a disco album. Yeah, I, the songs he wrote on there is about his time clubbing. Yeah. At Studio 54. Fair enough. So. Um, Working Day and Night, etc. Oh, no, that's on a different album. No, that is on that album. But um, Off the Wall, uh, Burn the Disco Out, yeah. Fair enough. You're the expert. Bring him, bring him on, baby. <laughs> well, that's, you know, But pretty, no, it's a good thing. You, thing. It's scoring. a good question you've posed. Solid How many scoring. disco albums are we going to get from the 70s? It is, uh, it is, who knows? I think there'll be a few more, though. Definitely deserves a good score, and I think 12's a good score. That's got to put a high up the leaderboard mm. there. Uh, okay, cool. Album number two on the podcast this week is by the Cocteau Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas, number 245. Cocteau Twins were Scott Goths. <laughs> Scott Goths? Uh, like you, Martin. To, <laughs> just, just like me. That's how I was known. Um, do you know that Scott Goth Martin? <laughs> who helped invent the dream pop aesthetic that ruled UK indie during the 80s. Heaven or Las Vegas is their arrestingly beautiful pop peak. Despite being released as the band itself was in turmoil, largely brought on by guitarist Robin Guthrie's drug addiction. Somehow they created something wholly transporting. Elizabeth Fraser's celestial soprano works like a vocal Rorschach test. Whew. Gorgeously floating over Guthrie and Simon Raymond's magic hour instrumentation, uh, said Rolling Stone magazine. 1990 facts. Uh, things pop up again and again, don't they? Number one movie, 1990. Uh, sorry, September 1990. Goodfellas, which we have... Uh, right, one of my favourite ...has been mentioned. We mentioned that before. Uh, was, uh, yeah, the number one movie this time in 1990. The number one album was uh, In Concert by Jose Carreras, Placigo Domingo and... Domingo, sorry. And Luciano Pavarotti. Why was that the number one album in September 1990? Oh, uh, Italian 90. Italian 90, that's right. Uh, Oh, yeah. Ness and Dorma was the, yeah, was the yeah, yeah. Uh, theme tune. <laughs> Suddenly, opera became very, very popular in <laughs> the summer of 1990 because England made the semi-final of the World Cup in Italy. Uh, there we go. And the UK number one single was The Joker by the Steve Miller Band. Probably because it was used in an advert for Levi's jeans, I think. On September the 12th, uh, United Kingdom, France, USSR, East and West Germany all sign agreements to allow the two Germanys to merge. September the 24th, Iraq invades the French and Dutch missions in Kuwait. Uh, a US warship boards an Iraqi flag tanker bound for the port of Basra. I think that was the start of the uh, Gulf War, wasn't it? I think. Uh, and on September the 4th, James Bay was born Aww. in Hitchin. 
in Hertfordshire. Like a boy. Do you want another fact? Yeah. January 29th, Miles Mitchell was born, so. Yeah. Are you not his birthday? I think he was 89. 90, 90, yeah. 1990. Yeah. Not September, though. But no, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it's fair, fair enough. <laughs> oh, is it all September? Drop, drop it, it in there. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was eight months in, I should <laughs> say. What was, what was happening when this album came out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Heaven and Las Vegas by the Cocteau Twins. This is their sixth studio album. Peaked at number seven on the UK album chart and number 99 in the US, becoming the band's most commercially successful release. Um, despite most of Fraser's lyrics, as she said, emerging in alien tongues, and uh, Elizabeth Fraser said, the reason for that is because of my laziness and bad diction. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, heaven in Las Vegas. Miles, I think you should go. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really good. Um, didn't know really anything about them except her. Yeah. You know, the, the massive attack stuff. Yeah. But I thought it was great. So this was actually, I suppose, the main point. I didn't know the year it was yeah. when I first played it. And... I was like, oh God, this is so 80s. Brilliant. I thought, this is so I thought it was very 90s. And then, and then I was like, this is so 90s. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is this 80s or 90s? I can't work it out. And then, it's um, yeah, to tick the box of the genius in my head, <laughs> it's literally bang slap in the middle of the two. And I think that is a good um, summary of the album. I think it takes so much influence from the, the sound of the 80s, but then it really was turning it into like, certainly melodically her... Uh, her melodies, her vocal melodies mm. were more 90s, I felt. Yeah. Uh, didn't sound as dated. But then like drum sounds, uh, guitar bits, synths, still felt quite 80s. Uh, so I loved, and I'm a massive fan of obviously both eras. And so I loved that element of it. Um, and I th thought it was like really, um, God, it might be over. No, I will say it. I thought it was a pretty groundbreaking album mm -hmm. because I had never heard about it. Like, thought it was really interesting. Um, the, if I was going to be critical, I'd say, and you've kind of alluded it to there, but I would say I couldn't hear what she was saying on some, sometimes mm. some, some, some vocal, I couldn't yeah. hit work out, but the way she harmonized her voice and, and, you know, layered her vocals. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I was really, re like I said, I'd been in the pod. It was, it was really enjoyable for me yeah. this, this week. So yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Great. I knew that she did that because I listened to... My dad's a massive Cocteau Twins fan. I listened to, what, oh, I think, their first or second album. And I think she does a lot more of that on their earlier stuff where she just sings. I don't well, know what she sings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. the first few tracks, she does sing in English. But the one where she does do that, I couldn't tell if it was me not picking up the words or she's, like, singing. I think it works, though. I think she does it too much sometimes and maybe on different albums. Yeah, but. Yeah. It, it's quite ethereal, isn't it? And really? I, so, very, and I love, so. I love that shoegazy sound that is like proper my cup of tea. I love that. It's quite dreamy, isn't it? It's like dream yeah. pop. Um, are they only a three-piece? Is there a drummer? Three, like, they were a three-piece, but I think they had a couple of other members at times, sort of, I don't know, for live or yeah. involved in the band. But the, the core of the band is three, Simon Ray Bond, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Fraser and Robin Guthrie. Because yeah. yeah. it's such a wall of sound, that shoegazy stuff, like that massive chorus-y guitar. And the guitar on it is amazing, isn't it? Um, but I knew her originally from obviously Teardrop by Massive Attack mm. but she had a relationship with Jeff Buckley I she had a relationship with the guy in this band as well didn't she? Uh, <coughs> yes they were together for a long time yeah they were married and had a uh, daughter I think yeah. um, but we I, was born just before whilst they were writing this album actually right so I think she was going up going up with Jeff Buckley up until we died and they've got a song called All Flowers in Time which is like one of my favourite songs oh nice um, and it's about each other but I think she's my favourite female vocalist stuff she can do with her voice and the melodies she chooses just yeah. takes you like a different place doesn't it well, and, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, with the word ethereal it's yeah. very much that and like dreamy pop yeah. it's yeah it's, and the actual ones that stood up for me was I like the, really like the slower tracks I forget the names of the ones but whether I wasn't expecting that from them but yeah really really great album very much yeah. my cup of tea what about you I bet he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he is He's so up gone. his street <laughs> so that's got his well I this goes back to my very early days of buying records because one of the early records that I would have been buying, I said this was the sixth album, early records that they released like um, Pearly Dewdrops Drops was one of their sort of early indie hits. So that's sort of 84, 85 start of independent labels, big indie scene in the UK. And it was very much a sort of indie sound. I said they've kind of they've then become a sort of dream pop. Uh, this is the most commercially successful thing, whereas they were a bit of a sort of under-the-radar indie artist in the mid to late 80s. But 
uh, so they're, they're, they're Scottish, but not only Scottish, they were recording in studios in Edinburgh as well, which I think at the time probably astonished me because I would be used to like bands being more distant than that. Mm. You know, the idea that there was a sort of a successful band that had recorded in the place where I grew up in Edinburgh just felt sort of weird mm. to me because everything else was sort of, you know, it's, it's kind of more glamorous than that. Mm. <laughs> How can you make something that sounds as good in Edinburgh? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, are there some big studios in Edinburgh? Uh, I don't know. So I was into the band, but by the time this came out, I wasn't. I'm more aware of the fact of all of us. What I, what I remember is thinking, blame me, the Cocteau Twins are suddenly really successful and popular. Mm. That's weird because I remember them as being a sort of, like I said, slightly indie, less well known yeah. um, indie band. And then suddenly they're a you know, top 10 album band. Mm. It's like, gosh, can that happen? And I suppose, remember, I remember Heaven or Las Vegas, I think, being a hit and thinking, okay, I can see why, because it, it sounds more commercial. So it was sounds, this their breakthrough more, to it, the sort of... This was, their big, this was their biggest and last commercial success, really. What's the uh, single? The thing it? that got them famous. That, there was that, Ice, um, Ice Blink Luck and... Uh, I think it's my favourite, yeah. Las Vegas were the, were the singles. Las Vegas, the big one. Uh, and they're probably my favourite tracks on it, if I was honest. Um, Ice Blink Luck, every time that comes on, I'm like, I know this one. Yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? I will find this with these albums doing this. You think, oh yeah, the single, you can see why that's the single, it's the best one. But then you are playing mind games. Is is it just because it's familiar to us? Yeah. You know? Because I thought there was some actually really other good songs on YouTube. It's had like 42,000 views, like Mm. nothing. And Mm. I was like, oh, that's a really, Mm. that could have been a hit. Really good Mm. song. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. Oh, there we go. Um, It wasn't new to me either. So I wasn't, that's partly maybe a little bit of expectation because I sort of already knew that that had been my experience of it previously. Right. That it's kind of, oh yeah, this is good, but I don't love it. I'm not going to, I didn't buy it, didn't listen to it. And I had been a fan prior to that. So kind of my memory was probably playing into that a little bit as well of, I like this, but I don't love it. Mm. Very listenable. But I found it very forgettable as well, so apart from a couple of tracks. And maybe that's partly the point, you know what I mean? There's not really anything. That's, it's not very hooky. I think it's very uh, <laughs> atmospheric. not very sing-along-y. It's very atmospheric. It's, yeah, it's setting a tone. Yeah. I completely agree. It's, it, Imagine agree. a film on a TV. Yeah, you? I'd rather listen to it on a film than probably go and see it live and be like, well, no, you'd like to go and see it live if you're in that right mood, but you're not going to be singing along to... There's no, no, there's no anthems. And that might be something that, I mean, I know you've spoken before, Miles, I think, about not being that bothered about lyrics, particularly, you know, more into yeah. melodies yeah, than yeah, lyrics. Yeah, and that yeah. might influence partly why you think differently about it to me, because I think I'm more into what are you saying. Oh, okay. So the actual words mean something. So I find it a little bit frustrating that there's indecipherable lyrics in this, because it's, like, well, how do I sing along with this? Because I want to sing words. I don't just want to be going, hey, <laughs> sing along. Well, I think sometimes that can take you... To a different place though as well. If they're just, it's just the sound of it as well. You can sort of make your mind up on it. If sure. it's like foreign music, you don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. You sort of make your own mind up. It's that's why I don't like when people up to tell you what, yeah, what the song's about because you've got it in your own mind. Yeah, and, you think, and sometimes it's something completely. Yeah, different. and you're like, oh, I don't like that song as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I said not. So yeah, that's obviously a subjective yeah. view. It's just something I yeah. don't. I can't. I can't catch on to it as much. So, like I said, it doesn't mean I don't like it, but it just it doesn't. Capture Does that me come as, first? As is that is that your both your priorities? Um, not priorities, but both your. You know, if you listen to a song, are you getting attached to the lyrics first and foremost? No, no, no. I'm quite no. forgetful of lyrics. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what that's important in terms of whether I like a song or not. But what I do like, I, I suppose maybe as a singer, um, but maybe not as a songwriter. I, I quite like singing songs. Now, if I'm singing songs, I like to sing the words not just the melody. Mm. I want to kind of know what I'm singing. I'm not just sort of forming phonetic sounds, but Mm. I actually know what the words are. That doesn't mean that it has to mean lots of stuff. It doesn't doesn't mean I have to know the meaning of it. I just like knowing what the... Does that make sense? I just like knowing what the words are. Yeah. If I can't make out what the words are, it sort of frustrates me a little bit. It always takes me back to, and I've brought them up twice now, but it always takes me back to um, Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, September. Yeah. The chorus is actually... Bardi, I'll say that you remember Bardi, I'll dance in September, but it's probably one of the most sing-along mm. choruses, yeah. mean anything. Mm. And that, you know, I think 
David Foster, who wrote it with him, admittedly says there's no meaning, but it just mm. those phonetically and the, the, the syllables just worked in the recording session yeah. and we kept it in. But it's, it's a strange one for me because I, I get a lot of stick for this from my girlfriend mostly, that I, I don't put enough um, thought into, not my own lyrics, because I, I try to, but more when I listen to other people's. I can't believe since I've met her how quickly she listens to a song picks up all the lyrics and understands exactly what, what, what she thinks the artist is trying to say I'm like yeah, I've never thought about that you know yeah. but I think you listen out for different things though you might I be listening to like a bass line or whatever I think like. I'm more moved by yeah. chords and things but um, but yeah anyway I was just interested what, what you guys thought so you're because you, you're a bit in between Billy aren't you kind of I think if the lyrics are shit then you know then really? you do pick it up but yeah I think music comes first for me yeah and the melody and then if you really delve deep into the song, then you'll look at the lyrics after, won't you? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I agree. I think it needs to be good. I'm not going to like it. I, I don't think I would rate a song because the lyrics are good if the rest of it wasn't good as well. Yeah. But yes. what I'm saying is I like to know what the lyrics are and I, fi I find it a bit frustrating if I can't make out what's yeah. being said. You know, early REM stuff is a bit like that as well. Uh, Michael Stipe and early REM had a similar style of not really saying much they're kind of deliberately yeah. indecipherable lyrics yeah great tunes mm. but I prefer their later stuff because I can hear what he's saying right <laughs> and, that, and that just I just because unless you're sort of an artist like Bob Dylan who is very much around the sort of thing what I always think and I always think this is quite a good arg argument I've said this at a pub a few times <laughs> but because uh, I've written songs I know how Right, when you're writing a melody, well, certainly with, with a lot, like I said, there's exceptions like Bob Dylan and these, but when you're writing sort of pop music, you know, there's parameters you have to keep mm. and you have to sit on the groove, your syllables have to X, mm. probably got a rhyme. Yeah. So therefore, you start funneling down what words and things you can use. So mm. then I always start thinking, well, how deep can these lyrics really be? Because that actually, there's a lot of boxes you've got to tick before you to say yeah. that particular line you know there's a lot of things I'd love to say but mm. they won't sing well no. there's only so many words that sing well mm, and yeah. so I think well if I want to go and like read something that's going to move me you know maybe look uh, I know poetry also has mm. parameters but not as many mm. that's going to maybe move me with words so I think that's why I've always lent towards loving melodies and like coming back to this album just like appreciating the atmosphere and tone of an album mm. as opposed to what exactly they're saying do you know what I mean? I think you're right and I should clarify I don't mean that there needs to be meaning oh, I, just, sorry, I, just, yeah, yeah. I just want to know what they're saying what, they're saying, what right, are the right. words because there are great pop yeah. tracks that the, the lyrics don't make sense yeah, but I still know what they are fine okay so you so just that, want but that, it's what she's fine. doing different if she's, she's, literally, she's not trying to make up words she's literally doing the equivalent of like a la isn't she like she's just using her voice in different ways. She's not trying to say anything, is she? It's interesting that if that, that quote from Elizabeth Fraser herself suggests that there are lyrics there, but we just can't work out what they are. Oh, okay, yeah. Because what, what was her... She said it was like a combination of laziness and bad diction. Yeah. So, so well... <laughs> <laughs> what does that that kind of suggests that it wasn't just a, 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 a sense of going, no, I'm just going to create um, vocal landscapes. Yeah. It was a little bit of... I mean, maybe she was joking. I don't. I don't mm. pro probably actually joking. Mm. But it feels a little bit like, yeah, you you can't make it out. I don't care that mm. you can't make it. Out. I know what I'm saying. Mm. <laughs> so there are actual words there. Mm. Just can't work out what they are. Mm. Um, and I say I'm not, I'm not against it. I, I understand that's that's the uh, cocktail twins appeal. Is partly that, and Elizabeth Fraser's vocals. Is it's it just a, a really a lot to do strong with that. Scottish and accent? It, and it wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and so I've, I've got into that right from the start. Apparently, Dewdrop Shop, Psyche again. These, these are, you know, even titles are like, I don't know what that means. Mm. Um, so it's written down. And uh, the, the lyrics to that, as, as far as they are, I don't know what she's saying or what she's singing. I guess I just get to the point of this commercial breakthrough and still doing the same thing. For me, it was still the same thing. It was like, well, I can't quite love it because I can't, quite work out what you're saying and that's a barrier for me yeah that's that's all i'm saying it's kind of that's that's what gets in the way of me thinking what a fantastic thing yeah because my preference is for can i can you just use some words please use your words yeah although does that is that true if i was listening to stuff that was in a foreign language mm. Speak English. You know? Well, you know, does it, do you know what I mean? Does that stop me from, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a song in a foreign language now. Or, that, just, or just 
That so, what's that one? Mas- Ma- Mashkinada. Do you know that, that one? Was that? Mashkinada. Yeah. No, yeah Brazil, Brazil um, แล้วแกนฮะเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออ
but that's not stuff I like listening to now. I would say bigger influence on my overall musical taste is probably when I was in my mid to late 20s. Mm. That's what's had a bigger, more long-lasting. What came out then? Uh, that sort of um, Britpop era. It sort of covers from sort of Nirvana through to Britpop, if you like, yeah. certain 90s. I'd love to be in 20 then. I'm jealous. It's good. So, uh, 12 to 14 for me was like, I think it was, the, it was the, well, it was the early noughties. So mm. beginning of sort of softer hip-hop and mm. rap, you know, coming into the mainstream. Eminem, mm. Dre. And then you had obviously the Max Martins and the boy yeah. band era. Yeah. Which uh, had a huge impact on me. I said to Billy earlier, <laughs> he said, when did you start a guitar? I said, I literally uh, got a guitar to impress girls and I was playing boy band songs on the guitar. <laughs> um, that would impress them. But yeah, 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 yeah. But, it did. But, that, but that was kind of it. But yeah, I suppose Britpop was, was, was sort of um, a slightly before. I was a bit young, but obviously then loved it still like you do. I think we've, we've also all said, we've all been influenced by our parents. Mm. 100%. Well, yeah. In terms of what yeah. they like. Even if it was kind of at the time sort of oh god don't play it get that off but when you yeah. look back you get I don't know if it's a nostalgia necessarily but you definitely pick up those influences of Do you know, I've that's got what I remember hearing when, when I was very young what would you say you're, if, last, last that question <laughs> yeah. if you had to both say you could only listen to a decade of music next year for the whole year what 90s. decade would you choose 90s 90s both go 90s yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And the question, uh, well, after saying all that, I'd probably say 80s, because I'm still discovering yeah. more, although talking of wet, wet, wet was 90s, weren't they? Uh, or were they on the Martin and I, sorry, you might, but listeners, you might find this interesting or not, but Martin was helping me with some, setting up a mic the other day, and then I put the phone down, I just started singing wet, 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 and he just takes me, were you just singing wet, wet, wet? Just as he was hanging up, he was like... <laughs> <laughs> and we surrender. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Were you a fan? Uh, yeah, I think I said I really liked their uh, their second album, particularly. I think the sort of first one, couple of hit singles that were quite cool. Yeah. What was um, Angel Eyes really on the second? Liked. Angel Eyes is on their third album. Oh right, okay. Maybe I can't remember. I mean, it's good to talk about. Yeah, they, like, they, was, they definitely won't they were, be in the top they were five. Good. And then and then they got into the. Uh, Goodbye Girl, oh, yeah, and then yeah. Love Is All Around, and then Heroin Addiction, and all sorts of weird stuff. Were they seen on. as really bubblegum cheese? I, do, I, do you know what? It's one of those really sad things. I don't think they were, and actually their background was really sort of uh, Memphis Soul and all that uh, kind of stuff. That was, that was what they were coming from. Right. That was what they wanted to do. And then they had this massive success with two uh, hit, big hit number one singles, Goodbye Girl and Love Is All Around, and Love Is All Around being top of the charts for like ridiculous number Forever. of weeks 16, 17 weeks or whatever and I think that broke them because two things huge success and too familiar so like you've got we've got lots of money so what do we do now and everybody hates you because you've been hanging around for too long and you've been very successful so it's like oh not wet 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 again sort of mm. thing and post that big success I don't think they were ever able to recover to kind of find yeah. their refind what, what actually made them them if you, if, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah 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 um, so I think it's kind of how do you how do you follow that sort of thing, and I don't think they ever could, and that broke the band. I think but that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's yeah, I think they, I think they were good songwriters, and I said they came from a big ba a good background. But yeah, Mar I think it's a, you know familiar story among bands. Marty Pell's ego just went out the window right. with drugs and success and all that kind of stuff. So then he's like, you know, I'm bigger than the band. I'm the lead singer because they still tour, but he le he's obviously he left. left. He, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. There you go. Wet, wet, oh, yeah. wet. They're a good band. They've got some good tunes. I'd definitely worth check out a few of them. It's a nice yeah. little chat because, like I said, they'll def um, I doubt they'll make this top 500, so it's good to get them. Before now, I'm pretty sure they're not in there. Yeah. Right. We, we, we have diversified quite, Sorry, there we quite go. a lot from uh, the, fight, the final point on the Cocktail Twins Heaven and Las Vegas. Heaven or Las Vegas, sorry, uh, is, to, uh, is to give it a score, boys. <laughs> I'm going to go last this time. I always kick it off. So you boys go first. Martin, four. you go first. You oh, never go done first. it. Done it. What? I said four. Oh, you said four. You Fine. said four. Okay. Martin. A four from Billy. I'm going to go uh, a three for me. I'm going to go a... I'll go three as well because I, I enjoyed Donna Summer a bit, uh, uh, a bit much if I'm doing it across it. Yeah, three. Well, okay. I still double did this. <laughs> so four, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Four, three, no, three. Four, three. Oh, you got three. Sorry. 
slash I didn't count it right <laughs> uh, 10, 10, 10, 12, again, 10 again again I mean it's sort of you know where, where you're going to end up on this list if you're going to score 10 you're going to be you're that's, going to be in there I think that's our first week with two double digit Is albums it? I'm Is sure it? surely maybe maybe you're right <laughs> I don't know I really should have been keeping a record <laughs> <laughs> Right, time to decide on next week's albums. Uh, another two uh, to come. What are we gonna? What are we gonna get? What are, we, what are we it's hoping for? Do you know what we haven't had yet? We haven't had. Oh, that's a number we've had before. We haven't had. That's a band we've had before. Mm. And we haven't had any of the bands that have got you know huge numbers. You're setting us up now, Martin. Here we go. You're setting us up for one of these. No, what's it going to be? No, I'm not ready. Hold on. It's, it's, gonna, it's in the forties, isn't it? I can't. I can never. I can never do this in, in the, the right place. No. You've got, you've got it already. I think. Hold on. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, and I don't know why. This is a commercial break. Please come to Apollo Audio. We should have a, We should have a little jingle underneath. Yeah, A little bit of cocktail twins that makes no sense. That would be be good. Uh, sorry, sorry, Billy. I've been I've been holding you up. Ready? Give me a number. Ninety-one. I think it's going to be a good. Ninety-one. Number. I think it's going to be kind. Well, yes, having said all of that, what was bound to happen? We've got another. Was, we've got another artist. Don't we've we? got an artist that we've already had. <laughs> Go on, Kanye. No, it's not Kanye. It's not Taylor Swift. Grateful Dead. One more guess each. Yeah. Um, go on, Miles. You know, you know this. You just have to think about it for a, a, a millisecond, and you go, "Oh, of course it would be." Oh, David Bowie. <laughs> it's David Bowie. It's "Hunky Dory" by David Bowie. Oh God, uh, which, I'm was, his, which was his big breakthrough <laughs> album. Uh, I'd fair so play. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. A I've been listening to a lot of that recently since we did that podcast. I keep <laughs> yeah. listening to David Bowie. <laughs> okay, that was number one, number ninety-one on the list. What was the album we did already? We did low, low, low yeah. Oof. Felt low after listening to that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> ready next one. Uh, yeah. Oh, forty-three. Oh, so we're two, two in the top one hundred. Be a hip-hop album. <laughs> uh, number forty-three. We've. Guess what? We we just missed out on OK Computer. Oh, really? Uh, I was at number forty-two. <laughs> so do it again. Love you. Forty-three. Now forty-three is the Low End Theory by a Tribe Called Quest. Oh, I was literally thinking. I was hoping it would be that one. What? Did yeah, you do? literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you go. Well, two. two That's in. actually mad. I was like, oh, I hope it's that one. I don't know if we've had two in the top one hundred before. Very good. That's sick. Uh, Hip hop and. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just trying to rem- remember what number Law was. I think it was, yeah, that was number 206. I was going to say Hunky Dory must be much higher up the list than Law, although Law was a very critically acclaimed album. It's not a big commercial no. hit success. So two albums to look forward to. Um, one I'm extremely familiar with, one I haven't heard before. Are you guys familiar with either of these albums? Uh, I know a few of the singles off the Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, yeah, know the group, obviously, and know Bowie, but don't know the album specifically. No, looking forward to it. Cool. Join us again next week on the Apollo Audio Podcast. Do you want to do the end, Miles, since you did the beginning? Like us on Facebook, and uh, if you want to send in an email to give us your thoughts on any of our comments or of these albums please do at Apollo Audio Podcast at gmail.com nice, nice. Apollo Audio Pod at oh, gmail.com Audio <laughs> Pod. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty good at gmail.com I tried to make it shorter for people so they could do it yeah good. <laughs> good Apollo Audio Pod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch and yes please do like subscribe and rate us on wherever you listen to your podcasts and join us again next week for another episode thank you boys cheers Martin bye Will you forgive me?